Well, thank you for having me here today. Um, such a gift and um, just an honor to be able to share with my family. This is my family. And I'm just really grateful for you guys. Um, so what I really want to talk about today is surrender. So back in, I guess it was July, I was driving one night, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know, um, if they ask you to speak, what are you going to speak on? And I remember exactly where I was when I was driving, because this comment really shocked me. <laughs> and I was like, no, Lord, they're not going to ask me to speak. Like, <laughs> we don't need to answer this question. And I just kept driving, and Holy Spirit kept, you know, prompting, and fine. I was like, fine, Lord, like, what, what would you want me to speak on? And he said, surrender. And so then a couple days later in Bible study, Dave had mentioned speaking. And I was like, whoa, okay, Lord. Um, so I, I just was really praying the last three, three months or so about like, what to share, even though the Lord told me to share on surrender. Um, and really wrestling with this topic. Because a lot of times I think in the body, we talk about surrender and we think of you know, just sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. And, you know, um, it honestly, it can get into a place of works and legalism. And I actually had a message written um, on Friday, and I shared a little bit with my dad, and he really kindly just said, um, not really as a rebuke, but he just said, you know, I really see that verse as saying, you know, obedience is the fruit of your love. The verse that says that if you love me, you keep my commands. He said, I really see it as... If you love me, the obedience is going to be a byproduct of that love. And the truth is, we really can't love in our own strength. We love because he first loved us. And the love that he gives us is not the same love that the world has. And so that's really kind of the focus of today. I really want to talk about surrender from that perspective that, you know, it's the more that we receive from the Lord, the more that obedience is going to become a byproduct of that love that he is filling in us that comes from him. So that's the first point. So in First uh, John, or John 15, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And um, we're going to talk about John 15 a little bit later. But um, I would like you guys to turn to 2 Corinthians 3. I'm going to turn to it here as well. So 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, um, I think six, let me make sure I have this right. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, starting in verse 5. Not that we are adequate in of ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter that kills, but the spirit that gives life. So my first point today in surrendering is that the first thing we have to realize is that we can't do it in our own strength. And honestly, that's a really freeing point. When you realize that it's not how good you are, it's not um, how uh, anointed you are or how surrendered you are. <laughs> it's just the Lord that does the work in our lives. And it's when we come to that place of realizing that we don't have to earn his approval we don't have to earn um, the obedience. It comes from surrender. So I want to share a story <laughs> about this. Uh, back in May, kind of as Brett was alluding to, I was in a really low place 
in my life, and um, I was applying to medical school. And to give a little bit of backstory, when I was, uh, after I graduated high school, I went to a mission school with Iris Global. And I started the school, and I said, Lord, like, do you even want me to go to college? And he took me through the end of the school and very, very, very clearly through a series of events made it super clear that he wanted me to go to medical school. And I said yes in obedience to the Lord, not really knowing what that meant. And I, I've always been the child that's like, oh, I'll be like a research scientist or I'll be like an um, Olympian. You know, it just had all these very wide-ranging um, dreams and passions. Um, but I didn't know the amount of work they would take to get to that place. But I said yes, trusting the Lord and believing that he had spoken to me. Um, and so through college, I really had to learn to trust the Lord and be obedient in what that looked like through diligence. But I also put a ton of pressure on myself because a lot of times I wouldn't get the grades that I thought that I needed or, um, you know, <laughs> I'd end up at a prayer meeting instead of studying, <laughs> you know, and sometimes I would get really bad grades. And it was just this wrestle with the Lord. It was like, God, I, I found satisfaction in you, and yet here I am not succeeding in what you told me to do. But I can't do this without you. I'm unwilling to do this without you. Um, and so in May, I was uh, applying to medical school, and you have to put in, like, all of your grades. And I did it twice because I applied to the Texas medical schools, and I applied to the... Um, the United States medical schools. And it was really discouraging because I was faced with, you know, my, my like, resume. And I told the Lord, I was like, God, I, I'm willing to continue forward with this process right now, but, like, it's, it looks impossible. The situation is dire. Like, it's kind of a joke. If, I, I'm, if I'm gonna apply right now, I'm, I'm not gonna get in. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. And um, I was walking... In, in our, um, on our road by our house, and I just started to cry out to the Lord from a, just the depth of my soul, and I was like, Lord, you told me to do this, and when I signed up for this, I was under the impression that we were doing this together, <laughs> and right now, <laughs> like, this is not what's happening, <laughs> and I told the Lord, I was like, God, if, you know, if you aren't going to do this with me, I would do art. Like, I would pick a different degree. Like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, I'm good at art. This is a little hard. But God is so faithful. And, um, you know, I felt led to go to a coffee shop that day. And I was still really grumpy, not really, like, listening to the Lord. And <laughs> I do my work. I'm about to leave. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me so clearly for the first time that day. And he says, are you really going to leave without what I brought you here for? I was like, Okay, <laughs> all right. So I go back in, and um, he tells me to talk to this particular lady, and uh, we have the most awkward three-minute conversation. <laughs> it was painful. <laughs> and she tells me that she's doing this master's program at UT Health in San Antonio. And so I get back to my car, and I look it up, and I wasn't interested in what she said, but I could feel the joy of the Lord on it. And that was for the first time in, like, the last, like, four months about this area of my life. And um, I look it up, I realize that, you know, the application deadline had closed. So this was G early June, and the deadline had closed in May. I'm like, man, that's so perfect. But I see a number at the bottom, and I'm just desperate at this point. So I just call the number, not to get into the program, just to ask her, like, you know, should I apply to med school? 
And she answers, and I'm, like, complaining, you know, through this whole thing, like, oh, like this and that and this and that, and not super professional. <laughs> and she stops me mid-spiel and says, you know, before we keep going, I just want to let you know that we've extended the deadline, and I really think you should apply. I was like, what? And so then I tell her again, like, all my concerns, but it was super casual, um, and it was, there was no performance in it because it was like, this is where I'm at, you know. And I apply in like three days and get into the program within two weeks of, of hearing about of, uh, that prayer to the Lord, and, which is miraculous. Um, <laughs> God is so good. But I share that story to share, you know, that it was from a place of weakness and a realizing that, okay, I don't have what it takes to fulfill your, your word for my life. I don't have what it takes to fulfill your promise. But that doesn't change what you said. And that doesn't change what you, you have spoken. And so it's coming to this place of, Lord, I'm sorry. I probably have made some mistakes. Like, I should have studied. <laughs> I'm very sorry, Lord. <laughs> I'm studying now. Praise God. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, God, I made a lot of mistakes, but you've asked me to do this, and I'm willing to change direction, but, you know, if you still, if this is still your word for my life, you have to fulfill this word. I can't do it in my own strength, and it was so freeing. For one, it showed me the faithfulness of God, and because when he spoke this word to me when I was 18, I had never really heard a a word from the Lord for, for my life specifically. I didn't know that God could do that, or that he cared enough about that, but I believed him <laughs> naively, <laughs> but he's so faithful. So anyways, sorry, I went really long into that story, but I want to go back to the point. So anyways, so the reason why I say I started in 2 Corinthians and I shared that first passage is because the second point is that we become by beholding. And if you continue reading in that passage, at the very end, it's which Brent was singing about today, which is awesome. Um, at the very end, starting in verse 17, or starting in verse 16, it says, But whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So, in order to behold, we have to lay down our own works and our own righteousness, which is filthy rags. And we are given access by the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And this is what we've been talking about, really, as a thematically in our church, is that it's not our own righteousness that opens, that removed the veil. It was the blood of Jesus that removed the veil. And that's so contrary to how the world works. It's so contrary to how the world thinks. It's all about if you work hard enough, if you try hard enough, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus so loved us, that God so loved us, that he, in Christ, died reconciling the world to himself. And um, my main point in this is that when Jesus died on the cross, he was demonstrating the love of God. And I don't know, I don't want to get too deep into theology, but, 
you know, sometimes people have this, like, penal substitution theory where, you know, Jesus was fulfilling the wrath of God. And, you know, the words, the word talk, this is not in my notes, so <laughs> bear with me. <laughs> the word talks about how um, no greater love than this than for someone to lay down their life for their friend. And when Jesus died on the cross, he was demonstrating. It says he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Personally, so maybe this is bad theology, so correct me if I'm wrong. But personally, I believe that it was always his plan to give his life on the cross. It was always his plan because he knew that we couldn't do it. He knew that we couldn't be perfect, that we would eventually choose to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, seeking knowledge, seeking to be like God. But yet... He knew that in that place of giving us free will, he had a perfect plan of demonstrating just how much he loves us. And he chose to be that sacrifice. He chose to die a gruesome death on the cross to show us our value. And so once we realize our value, well, our value is not in our own righteousness. Our value is not in our failures. Our value is not in our past. It's not, our value is not in our performance. And so, you know, <laughs> once we realize that and we're set free from that performance mentality, yes. then we're actually able to walk out the obedience. We're actually able to walk in fellowship with the Lord. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, so I'm going to tell another school story, but um, I was taking organic chemistry my sophomore year, and I like organic chemistry. Like, it's a good, it's, I think it's interesting. But it's also hard, and you should probably focus. But anyways, I was taking organic chemistry, and um, I had felt like I really failed my, my sophomore year of college. I was an RA, and um, I ended up just praying with my residents in my room, didn't really study. I was taking genetics and organic chemistry one, and I got some, got some C's for the first time in my life. And um, I felt like the whole reason why I did poorly in those classes was because I didn't focus or I didn't study or I didn't try hard enough. And so second semester comes around, I step down from my role as an RA and I have, I'm set up to succeed, you know. And I had studied like really, really, really hard, probably for like 10 hours straight, which is, a, that's a lot for me. <laughs> if you know me, I like to play and not <laughs> do that. <laughs> but um, I studied for like 10 hours straight and I go into the test, and I get a 45 on my first organic chemistry 2 test. <laughs> and I cried. <laughs> I was like, Lord, this is not fair. I tried so hard. I studied. Like, what? <laughs> I'm smart. This is, like, not okay. <laughs> and the Lord was so kind. I realized that I had taken the word of the Lord and said, okay, God, I got it from here. You told me to do this, I got it. And I felt like this requirement, all this weight on my shoulders of having to, to fix what I had failed. Like I had messed up the word of the Lord. Like I had made the mistake my sophomore year of being an RA and loving people was where my head was. And now I'm here to like do the word of the Lord. I gotta obey God. I gotta, you know, I gotta work really, really hard to make this happen. And, um, I let it go, lay it down, and ne the next week, 
our professor gets up there and he says, so there was a glitch on the test. And um, this has never happened before. But, you know, um, I made a contract with you with our syllabus. And so you have a drop test. But because of the glitch on the test, which essentially, if you knew that it was wrong, um, you could have gotten 100 on the test without knowing the material. I have to give you 100 on the test. This is Baylor pre-med for you. <laughs> People were like from previous grades were like talking about it. Like this is so not fair. Like this is like <laughs> God is so faithful. But <laughs> I was like, hey, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and um, I had a friend actually on my triathlon team. She uh, texted me afterwards. She's like, Alyssa, what'd you do? Because <laughs> she knew like she had seen the favor of the Lord, and she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you did something, <laughs> but um, so funny. Anyways, I share that to say, like, that was a, was, a, was a start for me, and I realized, okay, Lord, you told me to do this. You're going to help me get to the, to the end of the road. And, okay, yeah, most people, and I'm just using pre-med as an example because it's, like, very um, clear. A lot of people are just very, very smart and very diligent and very, ambitious. And the point that I got to in May was like, okay, Lord, I'm not ambitious enough for this degree. <laughs> I don't care about it enough. <laughs> I'm not here to prove that I'm some genius because I don't really care. <laughs> but, you know, the point is for the Lord and um, to fulfill, for him to do what he wants to do through my life and through a surrendered life of obedience. Um, and so, once we lay down our filthy rags and we receive his righteousness and realize that he's the one that opened that door for us to be able to behold the Father, then we just get to rest. We get to rest in his presence. And um, I want to turn to Hebrews 4. Sorry I didn't get the, <laughs> the verses for you guys on the screen, but um, turn to Hebrews 4. So actually, in, verse, uh, in Hebrews 2 and Hebrews 3, it's really interesting because um, the writer of Hebrews talks about what Jesus did, and he lays out how Jesus is our high priest. Um, and so then starting in verse 4, it says that, uh, not verse 4, but chapter 4, says, therefore, let us, let us fear lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have the, had the good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest just as he has said, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my, um, shall not enter my rest. Um, and I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> Since there remains, verse 6, since there therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as he has said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have not spoken of another day after that. There remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. 
Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace and help in our time of need. Amen. So I think a, a good side point to make here is that a lot of times our disobedience is a byproduct of our lack of faith. And sometimes faith is this kind of like ethereal word. We don't really know like what that means, like the substance of it. Of course, the word says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Um, but faith has a lot to do with trust. And... Um, <laughs> A lot of times, I think we don't really believe that God is as good as he says he is. And, I mean, you see that with my story about pre-med. I, I didn't think that God was good enough to, to help me through. I thought I had to, like, add something to it, that I had to work hard. And I'm still growing in that. I'm still working on that. And even in writing this message, I was like, so much in works and God is so faithful. <laughs> um, but, you know, we don't realize that he's immeasurably good and that he loves us so much and that he's crazy about us. He's not, he doesn't see us through the lens of our sin. He doesn't see us through um, what, what man says about us. He's crazy about us. He's crazy about us. And when we receive that revelation, we are, we're set free to actually be how he sees us. You see that in the, I'm not going to go there, but the book, the Song of Songs. If you guys are familiar with the Song of Songs, you know, the Shulamite woman is like, I'm dark, like, don't look at me. And as she receives the words of her beloved, as the words of, of how her beloved sees her, you start to see the, those fears worked out. It's like, we're, I'll, <laughs> Surrender is surrendering to his love. And it's surrendering to that uncomfortable place of being loved by God. Like, being crazy loved by God. And you see this with the Shulamite woman. And she's like, you know, I'm afraid I don't want to go to the mountains. Like, uh, like come back another time. But then eventually, as, as, as it goes through, she starts to talk about herself and repeat back the words that her beloved had spoken to her. And that's what happens to us. The more we receive his love, the more we start to reflect that love and speak that love and share that love. And that's what causes us to actually, he says, you're radiant. We start to radiate the glory of God. And so then evangelism becomes easy. Loving others becomes easy because people are drawn to that fragrance. They're drawn to that radiance which comes as we behold him, like it says in 2 Corinthians 3. Okay. Um, so I want to share a little story. My mom shared this with me actually yesterday. No, the day before that. She was sharing how um, 
when I was a little kid, we were at a car dealership, and we had this spinny chair. And I was having a blast on this spinny chair at the car dealership, just <laughs> spinning around, as you can imagine. <laughs> and she comes over to me, and she's like, sweetheart, I, you're going to fall. Like, please get off this chair. And, of course, I don't obey, because I'm like, no, like, I'm having a good time. Like, don't, don't mess with this. And I fall off the chair. And my mom comes over, and she says, sweetheart, do you trust me? Alyssa, do you trust me? I'm not a fun zapper. I'm not, I'm not trying to take your fun. I just, I, I could see you falling off the chair, and I wanted to make sure you didn't fall off the chair. And, you know, I didn't have a, I, I knew my mom loved me, but I, I thought she was going to take the fun away. And so I had, like, I didn't trust her in that moment. And I think a lot of times in our, in our life with the Lord, we disobey because we don't trust. We still see God as this angry God who took out his wrath on Jesus on the cross because he couldn't look at us. What happened in the garden when they sinned? Did he say, I can't look at you? No, he said, where are you? Where are you? It's sin, it's shame that causes us to put that, that, that veil over our face, the veil that Jesus took on the cross. It says, with unveiled face, we get to behold the glory of the Lord. So, um, yeah. Finally, I want to talk about in point three. Sorry, this is not as rehearsed as I hoped it would be. It's good, though. God is good. Um, real beholding produces tangible fruit. So it's not just, you know, we lock ourselves in our closet, and we never come out, and we're like, we're so spiritual. We spend all our life in our house, in our closet, and I meet with God. I'm making faces because it annoys me. But because if we really are really beholding the Lord... We're going to catch his heart for people. We're going to catch his heart for the lost. God, in his glory, decided to come to a sinful world and, and, crucif- and die the most gruesome death. He didn't even get to spend that much time. He was here for like 30 years. He didn't even live it up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he was here for a short time. And, then, and he, had, he built really close relationships for three Three days, or not three days. Huh? It's a gospel you haven't heard before. <laughs> three, uh, three years. Three years he spent with his disciples. And then he died a gruesome death on the cross. And then he rose again. And he was there with them for like 40 days. And then he left. <laughs> he gave us the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. But if we're really beholding the Lord and we're really encountering God, it's going to create in us a love for others. It's going to create in us tangible fruit is going to be produced as we're attached to the vine. So that's my second point, uh, or third point, sorry. Um, the word says that if you love me, you keep my commands. And it also says uh, in John, 5, 1 John 5, 2 through 5, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, 
For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So how do we, how do we produce that fruit? Do we produce it in our own strength? No, we don't. Praise God. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's so freeing. The fruit is produced as we remain in him. So I'm going to read John 15, and then we're going to close here. Um, <clears throat> I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and it dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. But this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than the one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slaves do not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. So, in concluding today, um, number one, we have to know the love of the Father. And it's not just a head knowledge. It's an it's a experiential knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. And two, trust is a choice. What I want to encourage you guys today is that when we are, are walking in obedience to the Lord, sometimes we don't always have the big picture, and we don't see or feel like obeying. But the more we trust, and the more we take that just simple step of obedience, whatever that may be, whether it's you hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, or you read a command in Scripture, when you take that little, just simple step, then he starts to reveal to you why he told you to take that step. And you start to see his character. You start to feel um, your heart change. And you see that he's faithful. You see that he's not going to let you down. You see that he's, he's worthy of obeying. But unless we take that step, we're, we're never going to obey. 
We're never going to obey. Our, our faith has, it produces fruit in our life. It, we don't harden your hearts as they did, but that we actually enter into his rest. So, um, yeah, could y'all come up? <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. So kind of as we're <clears throat> really wrapping up, um, I wanted to see if Brent could come up and that you guys stand. Sorry. <laughs> we, we need the love of the Father. And at the end of the day, um, all of this comes from that, that revelation of knowing that we're loved by him, deeply loved by the Father. And um, so I just want to invite us today, myself included, just to receive from him today. To receive his love. To receive his love in the deepest places of our hearts. That, you know, the areas where we're still carrying that shame or we're still carrying those accusations from the enemy about maybe our past or maybe what we feel like we could have done better in our lives or even our hopes deferred. Father, I just thank you for your presence in this place, God, and I thank you that in your presence there is fullness of joy and pleasures evermore. And Father, we need you. We recognize our need for you, God. We recognize our need for your love, Lord. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Apart from you, we have no good thing. Father, I ask that you would reveal yourself today to, to us in this room, God, that we would see you as you really are. That we would be transformed as we see you, God. We'd be transformed as we, we behold you in your glory, Lord. I thank you for your love for us, God. And I thank you that um, we don't have to prove it. We just get to receive from you, God. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.